You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. Yes, and we tweet all day long words of Torah over the airwaves. Welcome to 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbits and Adol Kazilski, and uh, starting off and kicking on to uh, kicking off on a week of learning Torah and. Uh, I hope you're going to be my guest for the next hour while we study the book of Genesis. We are on chapter 4. We have put Adam uh, and Eve and the whole story of the Garden of Eden behind us. And we are now looking at the generations that um, followed from Adam and Eve. Quite interesting stuff. Um, some strange stuff, I've got to say. Some, some, you know, some, some very, very different stuff. And uh, as always, I encourage you to join in the conversation, ask questions, make comments. Um, I love to get some feedback. So uh, keep these two numbers ha- handy. SMS number is three four five one nine. The WhatsApp number is zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. We finished up. Last week with the interesting story about Cain and Abel and uh, how Cain uh, received a punishment for what he had done and um, how he was told that he would wander for the rest of his life um, and that, in fact, his generations will will be gone simply because of what he had done. And we finished off on the verse 16 and 17 that read that Cain went out before God and he dwelt in the land of Nod, which the rabbi said is basically means that he dealt in the land of wandering that was east of Eden. And um, now we are going to see the children that uh, Cain had and Follow an, inter- an inter- quite an interesting story. Um, we've got to take into account that the generations between Adam and Noah, those ten generations, they lived unbelievably long. And we're taught in Kabbalah, we're taught in in in, in the from the mystical sources that this um, these generations were born under the umbrella of the sphere of the influence of chesed, of kindness, meaning that God was very, very kind to the people then. He had a tremendous amount of um, patience with them, and he gave them a lot um, on the physical, in the physical sense. And so what we see is very, very, very long lives, um, people living 900, 900 years and 800 years and 700 years. It really seems, in a sense, fantastic. Like a, like a, a fantasized type of thing, but true in and of itself. But slowly, surely, as we get closer and closer to uh, the roots that we of of the Jewish religion, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we see those uh, years being cut down, and uh, nobody living past the age of 120. Which, just by the way, is why we say Admea ve Isrim Shana. May you live to 120, because that is as far as we kind of like get, even from the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Moses lived 120 years. That was the maximum, um, and that has really been the life expectancy ever since. Obviously, um, with illness and and lack of technology, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, we have seen much lesser life expectancies. But you've done great and had a good innings if you made it to a hundred and. 20. So now we're going to go back into the verses and see what it is that um, happened from Cain, from Cain, the brother that killed Abel. It says as follows, um, 
Cain knew his wife, he gave birth to a man called, a child called Chanoch, he was busy building a city, and he built a city um, and named it after his child Chanoch. So Chanoch, he had a son, and Chanoch then became a a a place. Very interestingly, the rabbis ask, what is the correlation between the fact that he named a child Chanoch and he also named a city Chanoch? Um, and the rabbis teach that, as we know from the story of Cain and Hevel, Cain's punishment was that he should wander um, and he wouldn't have any rest and that he should be, he should have been preoccupied with Teshuvah, with repentance for what he had done. Um, but it seems that as all human beings today, um, I guess we suffer the same as Cain. Uh, he couldn't really let go of the physical world and his environment. And he got immersed in the occupation of building cities. Um, and that was that showed that he never took rest. He never got to smell the coffee. He never got time to reflect and repent on that which he had done. Um, and that kind of like rang a bit of a bell for me because um, aren't we really the same today where we get up in the morning and we've kind of like got this adrenaline running through our, our veins. We need to get up and we need to go and we need to do and we need to negotiate and we need to just make things happen. And we spend so much time um, preoccupied with building our world, with building our city, with building where we are, that we don't take enough time to sit back, reflect on who we are, what we are doing, you know, should we be repenting, which of course I'm sure we did because there's no man alive that hasn't sinned. Um, should we be doing things differently, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously there's a, there's a huge pull today in the psychology world and in the world of, of, of time management to take time off and smell the coffee, smell the roses, you know, just take a breather. And this is something we could see that is inherently a flaw in man. It goes all the way back to biblical times where it says, he, he built a city. He wasn't supposed to be building cities. He was supposed to be repenting. He was supposed to be thinking what he had done wrong and how he could make the world a better place. But he got completely engulfed in the physicality, in the materiality of the world. And, um, that made him forget his plight. And this is shown as, as, as an indictment against him. And certainly we can learn from that indictment as, as it being an indictment against us. As we've said many, many times, you know, on our deathbeds, we're not going to go, oh, darn, I wish I had spent more time in the office. Um, we tend to forget that, that which is important to us. And it's, it's a calling each and every single day to make sure that there's the correct list of priorities and that we, you know, place emphasis on the right things. Otherwise, we do take on the cloak of cayenne where we just wander around thinking we need to build this and do this and do this, and one day I'll have time to do that and that, and sometimes um, we don't land up doing it at all. So this was um, a, 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 an important uh, lesson learnt from the, 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 uh, the words of the Chumash. We're looking at chapter 4. Verse 17. Now we go to verse 18, 
And now we've got Cain. Cain has a son, Enosh. And now, uh, uh, sorry, Hanoch, uh, apologize. Cain has a son, Hanoch. And then Hanoch continues. Vayivaled lechanoch et irad. Hanoch then had a, a son called Irad. Ve irad yalad et mechu yael. Right? Irad had a son called Mechu Yael. Umechu Yael Yalad et Metushael. And Mechu Yael had a son called Metushael. Umetushael Yalad et Lamech. Metushael gave birth to a son called Lamech. So now we're kind of seeing four generations from Hanoch. Hanoch had Irad. Irad had Mechuyael, Mechuyael had Metushael, and Metushael had a son called uh, Lemach. And we don't really know too much about these f- five characters, Enoch, Irad, Mechuyael, Metushael, these four. We, 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 the, the, the Torah kind of like jumps over them, and we will discuss soon uh, the son Lemach, and our rabbis teach that the reason why they are mentioned is because they are here to teach us not to emulate them because they thought of nothing other than what was happening in this world and what they did constantly was just build edifices on the assumption that they would live forever. Um, if they, like their grandfather, had given some thought to the fact that they would eventually die, instead of just working and building edifices, they would have, in fact, repented. But not too much, not too much energy is given to them because they were essentially um, good for nothings, um, very involved in this world, didn't believe you know, that there was a higher purpose. And so the Torah doesn't waste too much more breath other than enumerating them for genealogical purposes. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Raymond Ackerman, the founder of Pick and Pay, said, giving back to the communities from where we derive our business is good business, and that is the foundation of Pick and Pay. So by upgrading our stores and our offering, we are constantly looking to give back to our communities. Now Pick and Pay Kalani has undergone a, mass, a massive facelift, and they want you to be part of the, of the, of the launch of this Thursday, with massive prizes and special deals that put Black Friday to shame, clear your calendars from 8 a.m. Plus, your favorite Chai FM teams will also be coming to you live from Kalani Pick and Pay. Come on down and join us for the outside broadcast, and don't miss it. We can't wait to see you there. Welcome back, and uh, we are discussing the genealogy that followed from Kayan, and just before the break, we said Kayan had Hanoch, Hanoch had Irad, Irad had Mechuyael, Mechuyael had Metushael, and Metushael had a son called Lemach. Now, we are going to discuss a little bit about Lemach because the Torah takes a pause and starts talking about Lemach and his family tree. It says, Vayikach lo Lemach, Lemach, Shtein Nashim. Uh, Lemach takes for himself two wives, Shem Ha'achat Ada, one of his wife's names were Ada, Veshem Hashenit Tzila, and the other's other name was Tzila. So Mrs. Ada and Mrs. Tzila, the, do- the wives of uh, Lemech. Vateled Ada 
et Yaval. Okay, so Ada gives birth to a boy called Yaval. And what happened with Yaval? Hu haya avi yoshev ohel umikne. Yaval was the father of all those who live in tents and keep herds. Basically, he was the founder of what we know today in modern terms as the nomads, those that just wander around, keep cattle, keep herds, and live in tents. V'shem Achiv, and then um, they had a son and a second son, Yuval. His name was Yuval. I don't know how they actually called them at home, Yaval and Yuval. I know that I get very confused with my children's names, and they're nowhere as close as this. So, goodness gracious, can you imagine when Mrs. Ada wanted to call Yaval, Yuval? Um, she must have been, like, quite on the ball there. She gave birth to a brother, Yuval, who haya avi called Toifes Kinor Ve'ugav. Yuval was the father who played the lyre and the pipe. He was the first musician. Quite a nice game to play at the Shabbat table or just, you know, in general knowledge, uh, quizzes for uh, Jewish general knowledge quizzes. Who was the first nomad? Well, his name was Yaval. Who was the first music- musician? His name was Yuval. That came from Lemech's wife, Ada. Then we have the second wife, Tzila. Vetzila gamhi yalda, and Silla also gave birth. Et Tuval Kain, she gave birth to a son called Tuval Kain. What did he do? Loitesh kol choresh nechoshet ubarzel. He was a forger of all implements of copper and iron. Veachot Tuval Kain, and then um, Tuval Kain had a daughter called Naama. So here we have it. Five generations down after Cain, Irad, Mechuyael, and Metushael, we have Lemech. Lemech has two wives, Ada and Tzela. Ada has two sons, Yaval and Yuval. They are nomads and they are musicians, and the other one's musician, a musician. And then we have the son and daughter of the second wife, Tzila, one called Tuval Kain, and the other called Naama. Now, very interestingly in the Ma'am Lo'ez, it's discussed that it was the custom in those days and probably for a long while after that, until about a couple of hundred years ago, it was the custom for, or a thousand years ago, for a man to have two wives. And the way it worked, the modus operandi of having the two wives was that the first wife was meant to bear children so that the man could have an heir. But because um, it was recognized that childbearing would weaken a woman, it would diminish her beauty to a certain extent. That Remember, we're talking about the generation that put a tremendous amount of uh, focus on physicality and materiality. Um, they didn't want to have a wife that had gone for the tri- through the trials and tribulations of birth. Um, and since for them physical pleasure was paramount, it was something very, very important to them, they would have one wife that would um, be of childbearing capabilities and a second wife who would just be there for the pleasure of man. Now, before I get shot down by any um, 
woman, you know, uh, liberated, liberated woman. I do not profess uh, to agree with this. I'm just telling you the facts of, of what the Bible said and what happened during that time. So uh, what the second wife would do would generally is that she would take a potion that would make her sterile. And this wife, the second wife that was there just for the pleasure of man, would wear beautiful clothes and would remain constantly at her husband's side. Um, the other wife that bore the children sadly would be kept hidden. And uh, when her childbearing uh, was complete, uh, we are told in the Torah, and this was just indicative of the decadence of the generation, she kind of would be discarded. Now, Lemech, um, he took two wives, Ada and Silla, and it says that Silla took that sterilizing potion, but um, it wasn't effective, and both of them actually gave him children. And how do we know that? Because the Torah is very, very uh, precise in the wording it gives. You know, when it talks about Ada, it says that Vateled Ada et Yaval Ada gave birth to Yaval, just as matter of course, as matter of course should be um, when a man and woman come together. But when it comes to Tzila, it says, Vetzila gam hi yalda. She also gave birth, which allows one to already look at it and see there's something wrong here in the narrative. It didn't say she, you know, why must it say she also gave birth? So you should just say, Ada gave birth to X, Y, Z, and Tzila gave birth to A, B, C. But the Torah goes and says, Gam hi yalda, and from there they work out that um, she had children, even though she had tried to sterilize herself. Um, that word also, gum, implies that it was unusual for the second wife to give birth. So Lemech has four children. Now, um, interestingly, this Yaval, the first son, we said was the first nomad. He was always on the move. He, he used to pitch his tent. He used to find a place for his herds to graze. When the grass was depleted in one place, he would move elsewhere. But what we are not told in black and white but are, are, are taught through the Midrashic sources is that Yaval also built the first temple that was dedicated to idol worship. Um, and this was the beginning. He was he started the beginning of the practice of idolatry. In the beginning, it wasn't a very, very strong like desire, very strong urge for people to practice idolatry. But it said that Yaval would bring idols into his tent and he initiated Worship there it was on, on, on a, in, a, in, a, in a private sense, but that started um, this whole idea of idolatry. Yuval II was, as I said, the first musician in this world. He knew how to make all kinds of musical instruments. He had a very um, musical ear, but instead of using again the music in service of God, he actually used it in the service of idolatry, and he then became the first one who uh, public, publicly worshipped idols. So the first two sons, Yaval and Yuval, you know, not good, not good nicks for sure, and um, they they brought in idol worship together with what they did um, personally being 
involved in music or being a nomad. Lemech's second wife, um, Tzela, she gave birth to a son, Tuval Kayin, very similar to his great, 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 great grandfather, Kayin, Tuval Kayin. It was told that he was the first blacksmith or the first smith in Torah. He was an expert in making uh, weapons. How do we learn that? It says that Tuval actually comes from the word taval, which means to spice up or to season. And just like a seasoning enhances food, tuval kind similarly enhanced killing. Okay, the, enhanced the killing of his great his grandfather, uh, Kayin. Um, and while because why? Because Kayin, when he tried to kill, he only killed with materials he found. Whereas tuval kind spiced it up, so to speak, and fashioned fine swords and spears with which to commit murder. So he was the first blacksmith. There's three questions on general knowledge. Who was the first nomad? Who was the first musician? And who was the first blacksmith? And then we find a girl being born to Tzilla, the second wife. Her name is Naama. Um, And there's two opinions. One opinion uh, looks at her in uh, a bad light and another in uh, in a good light. Let's discuss the good light first. The Torah says, and the sister of Tuvalkain was Naama. Ve'achot Tuvalkain Naama. Meaning to teach us that um, she in fact was pleasant, Naama translated into English is pleasantness, saying that even though her brother was wicked, he was the blacksmith that was creating all these uh, all this weaponry, she didn't learn from him. She remained na'ama, she remained pleasant and good. Some rabbis hold that she, in fact, was Noach's wife. Okay, Noach's wife's name was na'ama. Others disagree and say that it can't be that because there were many generations that passed from the Naama that was born with Tuvalkain to Noach, which means that if Naama was the wife of Noach, it means Noach would have married an older woman over 300 years older than her. So uh, it's just coincidental that we have a Naama now and a Naama later that marries Noah. Um, so most rabbis hold that even though her name was Naama, which meant pleasantness, um, it has a derogatory connotation because it says she had a very pleasant voice. But what did she do? She followed in the steps of her brothers and she used it to sing hymns to the idols. So she truly was Achot Tuvalkain, the daughter of Tuvalkain. She emulated him in his wickedness. Wickedness. So we now have four kids, kind of like really not the proudest that uh, we Jewish parents would want um, to have of the kids. And now we see a very, very interesting narrative which bears a whole story. I'm going to read to you the verses first, and then I will take a step back and explain the story behind it. So we're looking at verses 23 and 24 of chapter 4 that read as follows. Vayomer Lemech Lenashav, Ada Vetzila. Lemech comes to his wives, um, Ada, Ada, and Tzila, and he says, 
Shema'an Koli, listen to my voice, Neshe Lemech, the wives of Lemech. Imarti, Heezena Imarti, ki ish haragti, lefitzi veyeled lechuburati. Please listen up, for I have killed a man by my wound and a child by my bruise. Ki shivataim yukam kain, if kain had vengeance sevenfold, velemech shivim veshiva, I'm in for seventy-sevenfold. I'm like in it for the high jump. What was he talking about? Who did he kill? What was this entire thing that he had to to go and explain to his wives. So um, basically what had happened was the following. Cain, no, let me take even a step back before I get, uh, I get to Cain. We know that Cain was, was punished and said, you've killed your brother Abel. You've killed Hevel. There are going to be four lions that are going to descend from him, and the earth is going to open up its mouth and swallow up your descendants. And, in fact, we're told, Hanoch, Irad, Mechuyael, and Metushael died. And uh, all that was left was Lemech. And Lem- so there was a gap now between Lemech and the great-great-great-great-grandfather, Cain. And towards the end of his life, Lemach became totally blind. And uh, he used to go and still hunt. He was a very, very clever, uh, intelligent human being. And he used to go out every day to hunt with his young son, Tuvalkain. We're told that Tuvalkain would lead him. And when game was spotted, he would help his father aim the bow. And they were so coordinated, the two of them, that Lemech's arrows would actually hit and kill the game, even though he was blind. And uh, the Midrash goes on to explain that when they were in the field one day, Cain, great-great-great-great-grandfather Cain, approached at a distance. And Toval Cain thought that great-grandfather Cain was in fact an animal. So he helped his father Lemach's bow be pointed at him. Lemach shot an arrow, and sadly, that was how Cain was killed. That's how Cain died. He actually killed his great-great-great-great-grandfather. Cain was killed 130 years after he was decreed that he would be restless and he would be a wanderer. So he shoots this uh, arrow, and when Tuvalkain and Lemech come to the slain, what they thought carcass, they realize um, that it's not an animal. And Tuvalkain says to Lemech, "This is no animal; it's a human being." And in the front, in the middle of his forehead, there's a large horn. We told that one of the signs that God gave. Cain, so he should not get killed um, by anybody, um, was the fact that it was a horn. So Lemech understood immediately that he had, in fact, killed his own ancestor, and he was a very powerful man. And it said when he heard that, he beat his huge fists together in agony, 
and Tuval Khan was standing next to him. He couldn't see him. Remember, he was blind. Tuval Khan's head got in the way, and when Lemach's two fists came together in anguish that he had killed his ancestor, he also killed his son, Tuval Khan, with a single blow. Now we have two dead, Cain and Tuval Cain. Lemach is blind, okay, he couldn't move, and he remains there in the field. Obviously the day passes, and when it became late and he didn't return, uh, a number of men went out to search for him, and when they found him in his, you know, in the situation, they began to weep. Um, and it says that it was at that point in time that all of Cain's descendants, as per the curse of God, got swallowed up. Chanoch, Irad, Mechuyael, Metushal. And so now we can understand what Lemach says to his wives. In verse 23, 24, he says, Ish haragdi lefitzi I have killed a man by my wound and a child by my bruise. He admits that he killed both a man and a child at the same time. And sadly, they were both members of his uh, ancestry. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Indeed you are, and we're uh, learning some fascinating uh, Midrashic sources on uh, a story about the fifth generation, Lemech. And uh, what he did, he ended up killing his great-grandfather, Cain, and he killed his child, Tuval Cain. And he tells his wife now, his wives, they come to admit to it, and it says that the wives got really, really nervous, and they wanted to separate from him because they felt they, had what, they did not really want to have anything to do with him moving forward. Um, another reason is given for their separation, um, and that was that they knew that Cain had the curse that they were going to, uh, that seven, after seven generations, sorry, the first seven generations are going to be wiped out as per the curse of Cain, and those seven generations had passed. There was Cain, there was Hanoch, Irad, Mechuyael, Metushael, Lemech, Yuval. Um, and so the wives did no, no longer wanted to be with him, and uh, they, they chose to separate, and they had a bit of a tiz with Lemech saying, we don't want to be around you because there are seven generations, they've all died, we want nothing more to do with you, we don't want to be associated with you. And they landed up having a, a whole debate. They couldn't reach an agreement, and they decided that they would, in fact, go and find the great-great-grandfather of all, Adam, who was still alive at the time, and they told Adam the entire story. And Adam went and said, Lemach is correct. You don't have to worry about God's decrees. Um, you can't stop having children because you are concerned about their future. You have to do your duty, um, bearing children as God commanded you, and let God do with them as he wills with them. And the, these two women were very, very sharp women. They rebuked Adam and said, oh, really? You know, before you correct others, correct yourself. So what are they saying here? which is interesting because that now is the precursor 
for the next verses that we we like it just kind of like jumps and there's a whole lot of meat in between the two things is what happened was Adam had separated from his wife 130 years before um where he he, he remained a hermit he spent his time fasting and praying and um he separated from Eve because he knew that he would die and he did not want to have children who would eventually die. And uh, that's what it looked like on on face value. He had not been together with Eve for 130 years from the time that she had given birth to Cain and Abel. Um, but the truth is, is that he had actually separated only because he wanted to do chuba. He wanted to repent. So um, there was this entire discussion. We have the verses of where Lemach, Lemech says to his wives, vey, I killed a man and a child in my exuberance, in, in me not understanding. And straight away, the next two verses, we, we don't know anything else on the, on the practicality of reading the verses. Obviously, I've given you the schmaltz behind it, the, the inside of it. We go then to verses 25 and 26 where the Torah takes a tangent and says, Vayeda Adam od et ishto. Adam knew his wife again. Vateled ben and she gave birth to a child. So all the, the intricacies of what I've told you about what happened with Lemech and him killing and them coming and telling the story to Adam made Adam realize that um, it was wrong that it would it looked on the, on 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 the surface value that he had separated from Eve because he didn't want to have any more children because that really was the question of Lemech's two uh, wives and so he comes back to Eve he's intimate with her and they have another son so now we can understand that in fact there is more. Then to more than five children, there is another son. And let's see what it says over here. It says, Vatikra et Shemo Shait. Um, they named the son Shait. Shait, or in English, is Seth. Okay. Ki shat li elokim zera acher tachat hevel ki haragoi kain. Because God granted me another offspring in place of Hevel, because Cain killed him. So we have then the question, the general knowledge question of how many kids did Adam and Chava in fact have? And the answer is, in fact, six. One son and daughter, Cain and a daughter, Hevel and two daughters, and then much later on, we have Shais, or Shait, um, in English, Seth. Um, so he gives them that. And then we have Vayikra et Shemo, um, sorry, Uleshet Gamhu Yulad Ben. Then Shet has a son who, who uh, has a, uh, gives birth to a son. Vayikra et Shemo Enosh. And this son's name is Enosh. Why? As Huhal Likro Beshem Hashem, because he was the one that starts calling God again in the name of, of, uh, of uh, he starts calling Hashem again properly, as opposed to him not uh, serving idols. And what's interesting here is that 
Um, Shet, in fact, has Enosh. Enosh is a righteous guy. Um, Eve said, God has granted me other offspring in the place of Abel. And the reason why there's the word other, let me just read it to you again in Hebrew. Um, Vayikra Shem Shet Kishatli Elokim Zera Acher. God gave me other offspring. So our rabbis teach that other offspring is actually superfluous because it's obvious that he was another child. So what does that really mean? So we're told that this actually uh, contains an allusion to the um, allusion to the fact that Eve foresaw that Mashiach would in fact be a descendant of Shait. Shait is going to be the good guy, okay? Um, and she, she, when she says Zera Acher, the other, um, she was actually talking about Mashiach, and she foresaw in her 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 nevuah, in her prophecy that because Mashiach, because King David, who is the 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 primary. Um, uh, ancestor of Mashiach, he's the descendant through which Mashiach will come, was a descendant of Ruth, and Ruth was a Moabite woman, um, and she saw that Mashiach will come from another nation other than Israel, she called it Zerah Acher, a different, or a another nation. Um, and why this entire story? So we were told that God revealed this to Eve because, in fact, she she became pretty depressed. First, Abel was murdered, and then in one day, Cain had been killed. Four of his descendants got swallowed up by the earth. Then her um, her grandson, the, the, well, one of her great 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 grandsons, Tubal Cain, was killed. So it says that God came and revealed to her the concept of Mashiach where everything would, in fact, at the end of time, end well. Um, and we know when the time comes, um, war will cease to exist. People will no longer die. The dead will be brought back to life. And that's where um, it all ends. What is the entire story of Cain and Hevel coming to teach us? It comes to teach us that we should know what comes around, goes around, and comes around back again, that there is a... Um, a a process of retribution that eventually one does get caught up in you know w- what one does, and it also teaches us that one must avoid anger and jealousy. It was only because of that that Hevel was murdered, and one needs to know um, and teach in our homes that jealousy and anger um, brings around a lot of misfortune. Pressure, uh, be having patience is very very precious. Um, in this world. And this concludes the chapter, chapter four of the book of Genesis. And please God, next week, when we get back together again, we will be starting chapter five um, and starting another whole story in the genealogy of man. Wishing everybody out there a wonderful day.